The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is former Trump supporter David Weissman. Now, for those new to the show, keep in mind that I always try to keep these intros short, about three minutes or less, so FYI. All right. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers, and right now, I'm not using any advertisers. That may change soon, and I think it will. But if you enjoy today's show, please take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. I usually, I'm usually talking politics with somebody. Occasionally, I interview actors, because I used to be one, and we do focus on their craft, but, you know, politics kind of gets in there somehow. This is what I do. I do two free shows, Mondays and Wednesdays. Then I do, after the free shows, I do patrons-only Kimberly's After Parties. Then I also do two patrons-only shows per month with Steph Walton, although Steph is looking for a job, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Keep you posted on that. If you sign up for $4 or less as a patron, you will receive both of the free shows and one of the patrons-only shows with Steph Walton. Usually those are delivered to your email box. You have access to that. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get access to everything. You get both free shows all of Kimberly's after parties and all uh, or both, I should say, of the patrons only shows with Steph Walton. Just visit patreon.com slash start me up so you can sign up for like two bucks a month if you're not sure what you want to do. And then later you can decide to upgrade if if you like the show. So you can also make a one time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email address and you can use that with the PayPal. Uh, you can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast store site and become a subscriber. It's free. And while you're there, I would really appreciate it if you would rate the show, if you like it, and then leave a review. You don't have to leave a long review. Just say that you like the show and I would really appreciate it. All right, that's it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with David Weissman. Welcome back to the show, David. Hi, and thank you for having me on. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I am having a really hard time. I mean, it's not just today, but I, I, I will just be brief and say right before the election, I think it was on MSNBC, I saw somebody, and I don't remember who it was, and they said that if Trump loses, the GOP is going to be, I can't remember exactly what they said, because they said that they were going to behave a certain way for about a month, and I don't remember what they specified, but then they basically said eventually the GOP is going to be like, uh, Trump who? That's not happening. They are carrying out Trump's legacy of basically domestic terrorism, and like traitorous behavior um, and I, I know there's like that legal definition of treason that that has to do with when we're at war okay so we're not at war per se but 
it's like these these geo peers are going against our country. They're they're being traitors, and I'm really concerned because Democrats have a history of a not showing up for midterm elections and b not being as engaged as we should because obviously, as you know. Republicans are very good at messaging, and they mark in lo- march in lockstep. So now you're a former Trump supporter. Obviously, we've talked about that on the show many times, and you supported Warren in the uh, Democratic primaries, just so did I. Uh, but I, I think you and I both are on the same page now about you know being happy Biden is president and happy with Kamala Harris, and we're really excited to see what they're doing and what they're achieving right now. But you know, what is like with your insight, what can you what do you feel about 2022 and 2024? Like, do you have hope? Are you what are you feeling? Um, Right now, it's, it's definitely up in the air because mm-hmm. how I look at everything, I look back on you know my own journey when I was Republican and, you know, demonizing and Democrats and uh Democratic officials has been going on even before Trump. Yeah. So I, I just and I and the more I learn about conservative movements, uh, there's definitely a stem of racism there. And I think basically what Trump did is he basically uh, shown its true colors. Mm-hmm. So I you know it's and I think and I mentioned this before on on Twitter and other in other places like there's like different factions. Of Trump supporters, certain factions of Republicans. You know, you had a Tea Party, you had the QAnon, mm-hmm. you had the establishment people. I mean, there are people that don't realize that they're, you know, that this movement is stem off of white nationalism, and then you have the people that know that they're actually are racist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Proud Boys and you yeah. know, those guys. So, and you know, I'm definitely concerned because. Especially with the impeachment going on, mm-hmm. the fact that Republicans care more about, uh, you know, if Trump gets back on Twitter, because I heard talks about that, you know, they're you know, going to be worried that Trump's going to talk bad about them mm-hmm. instead of having, you know, just secular fortitude yeah. and say, hey, you know, <laughs> checks and balances. Yeah. When you read the Constitution, you can go to the Constitution on Section uh, Three and Amendment Fourteen. It is very, very, very clear mm-hmm. on sedition. And then you you see the videos of Trump, and he and he's not just telling his supporters to stand up and speak up. No, he's encouraging them to fight. Yeah. And you know they you know it's a cult. You know no no mm-hmm. how this movement you know and we talked about that too. How it's a cult. And and so, and so many of them are like what you know they're shocked that they got arrested. You know yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> for doing this uh, you know, insurrection. So, you know, and the fact that Republicans are not, you know, keeping checks and balances is, is very concerning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, I'm I'm hopeful with a new president. I'm hopeful uh, with the new uh, Senate, uh, House, and how we kept the House of Representatives, all of that. But, you know, with all the Republican Party has people like Getz and Others like him and and, and QAnon nuts, uh, major retailer Green and mm-hmm. and you know those guys, you know they're keeping Trumpism alive, and and, and it's basically it's domestic terrorism in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, and actually, that's in my opinion. If you go read the FBI's definition of terrorism, they're actually doing that. Hmm. So um, yeah, 
it, it is very so it's very 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 troubling and I don't think I don't see it any anytime soon, especially if there's no accountability. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I, think yeah I don't think the Senate is going to convict, and then that just leaves the Department of Justice to you know put this in a court of law. I would hope that that happens. I know that we're we're in uncharted territory because in past you know administrations if there were for instance during the Bush administration they they were involved in war crime and Obama never or I I mean it wasn't up to Obama but his department of justice never did anything about it and you know you could argue that that was not I I mean I know like for instance my mom was always saying they should hold those people accountable for the war crimes and she was upset when they didn't and you know i mean i can understand that o- obama wanted to be a certain kind of a president and he wanted as the first black man as the president of the united states he wanted to give off a certain kind of air that was he wanted to be fair he wanted to he didn't want to look like he was a partisan president that was going after Republicans, even though the Republicans were going after him, and Mitch McConnell said straight up they he wanted to make Obama a, a one-term president, which thankfully they failed. But you know they were what they were successful in, and this is what this is what I don't even understand this. The the Republicans gained control while Obama was president, and I'm going to blame that primarily on voters, but also a little bit with the party, because you know it, it seems to me that there wasn't enough done. We, you, I know that a lot of the reason we won in 2018 and when we won in 20 and 2020, it, the motivation, a lot of it came from Donald Trump. A lot of people just showed up to vote either in the 2018 midterm elections. They voted for Democrats so that they could get some power back in Congress. And it was because of Trump. And then in 2020, it was specifically because of Trump. But, it, you know, it's it's. It, it's usually the way that it happens in this country is we have, let's say we get a president and we get a Congress all the same, whether it's Republican or Democrat, then in the midterm elections, it swings in the other direction. Now, I think we are we are right now set up to change that, you know, set of events that usually happens. But it's really up to, you know, I mean, the Democrats have to have a very strong game. I, I feel fairly confident with Jamie Harrison. I, I actually would have liked uh, Stacey Abrams to head the DNC, but she's got other plans, and I respect her, so whatever she wants to do, she can do. But uh, she did such a phenomenal job uh, in 2020 that I, you know, and then not only with the general election, but with the runoff in Georgia, uh, we he, Jamie Harrison needs to u- utilize her template and continue it. Now, I do want to talk to you about the Lincoln Project. And before I do, I want to say that, number one, I'm not interested in attacking them, but I do want to voice some of my concerns. And I'm not exactly sure how deep in you are, how often you're able to talk to some of the members. And, I mean, I've had Steve Schmidt on my show. And, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of George Conway. But I feel like I feel like this. Like, I feel that... If the Lincoln Project, okay, like, well, let me just go back. Okay. I, I, 
I didn't. I don't have the quote for you. I, I saw. I know Sherry Jacobus posts about this a lot, and she was. She does not really like the Lanka Project. And yeah, we had our disagreements about it too. <laughs> yeah, um, and part of her thing is that she's saying that you know, number one, it's mostly white men, even though there are some women. Number two, she's saying that. Like, for instance, Steve Schmidt admitted he tried to get a job in the Trump administration that George Conway tried to he wanted to be. Oh, God, what was it? I can't remember. He was looking for a position, didn't get it. A solicitor general. Some, I think that's what it was. Um, and then when they didn't get those positions, then they turned against Trump. And I will say with Steve Schmidt, I mean, he went he was he was Howard Schultz's campaign manager for, you know, five minutes which I think personally was a really stupid decision because Howard Schultz was, I think, a terrible candidate. And it looked to me like Steve Schmidt was just going where the money was going. So that said, uh, I, I look at what they're doing now and they've been working very hard. They worked very hard during the general election to you know, get the truth about Trump in their own specific way. With that sarcastic, you know, it's Rick Wilson, I know, puts together those videos and they're they're good. You know, they're they're sarcastic and they're hard hitting and, and they will say things in those videos that often Democrats are too, I don't know, too timid to say. And I do believe the Democrats need more backbone. And then, um, you know, I, I, I feel like they did a good job when it came to they're, they're, they're right now they're going after the Q people and the crazies and the Ted Cruz's and all of that. And so I appreciate that. I a hundred percent appreciate that. And if the worst case scenario is that they come in for a while now, I know Steve Schmidt became a Democrat, but if they come into our party for a while and they help us for a while and then something comes along that they feel is more lucrative for them and they leave, I'm not even going to be upset about that. Because I just feel like, well, I'll take their help, you know, while I can get it. I'm not going to give them any money. If somebody else wants to, I would, I would rather people give their money to candidates. But, um, and I'm just setting all this up for you because I'd like to just hear how you feel about it. So I know I'm talking a lot. But, you know, I, I look at the Lincoln Project and I'm not sure what to think. And my, con- my main concern is that they're going to, in the long run, drag us down to... Not necessarily, of course, where the GOP is now, because they're not even part of that. But I feel like I, I, I fear that maybe they're going to drag us down to a place or, or try to where we where we're not as strong in a stronger moral position, because I do think right now the Democrats have that upper hand with morality. And so that, that's my big concern. So I just, I just want, and it's not, I don't want to, I mean, I have retweeted them and I have supported their messaging and I will continue to do so if I feel that it's valuable and helpful, but in the long run, they make me nervous. That is, and you, you have justifiable reasons to be concerned. Uh, I mean, like you said, Steve Schmidt is like one of the few that actually became a Democrat mm-hmm. and the position that I'm in, I'm part of the Florida steering committee so i'm like sort of part of the legwork in the local areas not necessarily on social media mm-hmm. um but i do i can i can tell you that the legal project is um consists of not just republicans or former republicans they have a lot of democrats involved um you know helping um 
with the messaging, letting Republicans know where Democrats are coming from. We have meetings and talk about certain issues. So, so in a way, it's I think it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be better than what it was. And you know, and, and yeah, I mean, they'll tell you they're conservative or Republican. And it'll, you know, and I think it's good to get to a point where we can agree to disagree on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I, I know Rick Wilson and a couple of other guys, uh, Jordan Conway. Part I am not too sure about um, how that came about, but I know Rick Wilson was always a never Trumper mm-hmm. from the get go. Um, so I think you know he is definitely trustworthy in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like, you know, how you take it, you know, and, and yeah, when it comes to like financing, that's all on a person. And I think, I think like Lincoln Project is a great place to finance, like for people who are not ready to be a Democrat, mm-hmm. but still want to maintain a decent Republican or conservative party. Um, you know, for those guys, primarily, not necessarily for Democrats. I mm-hmm. do think Democrats, you know, like myself, you know, I'm going to, you know, even me as a member, I don't give money to the Lincoln Project. I, <laughs> I, I supported Joe Biden. I, I mm-hmm. donated to his campaign. So I, I think if you're a Democrat, you know, you should definitely help with Democratic candidates. You know, share the message, you know, of the Lincoln Project, you know, because they're the guys that basically troll. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions on what the Lincoln Project actually does. I know... There was sort of like sort of a debate or a discussion where a lot of Democrats are saying, that, you know, it's, you know, the young, young activists, people of color, they're the ones who brought in the votes. And you know what? They're right. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think Lincoln Project really took credit for the votes. The, the thing about the Lincoln Project is getting in the heads of people, you know, like Trump. I mean, how many times did Trump mention him? The Lincoln Project, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you know that throws people off mentally. So that's that in, a, in this way helped. Um, with this election, you know, get them out of focus. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I do think, um, you know, maybe we need to do a better job becoming more transparent. I know I, I personally reached out to AOC and mm-hmm. other progressive devs to say, hey, let's, let's have a talk. You know, let's be transparent. Let's, um, you know, especially with, you know, my position being a known Democrat, a former mm-hmm. Republican, not just a Republican. Right. And doesn't like Trump. Because I, I think these discussions are important to have. This way, they're transparent, you know, and, you know, and I mean, especially we've seen Twitter in the past couple of days on mm-hmm. some issues, you know, you know, people are like, you know, you know it, it can be a very, very toxic place. Yeah. And so, and I think we need to dialogue more so we can trust each other more and it can be more transparent. And this way, everybody knows you know, the true motives. So, I mean, I mean, that's my, that's my take on it. Well, and, you know, I did, obviously, I I had tagged AOC um, when you reached out to her and encouraged her, because I really think, and I, uh, you know, I I don't know if you know anything that happened with Steve Schmidt when he reached out to her, but uh, that was a great thread. And I honestly think that it it is beneficial for those two factions of this party, and I will include Lincoln, I mean, I don't consider necessarily Lincoln Project as a Democratic organization but i but i also understand they're helping to get democrats elected so i feel like at this point i mean they're kind of in our coalition they're helping us and so therefore if if there can be a common ground found by people like AOC and Steve Schmidt 
then I think that there's less likely to be that infighting in the party. And, you know, I mean, that was an interesting point that you brought up as far as them, as the Lincoln Project, uh, not necessarily bringing in votes, but getting in the head of, of Trump and kind of throwing him up. The other thing is that I, you know, I think, too, like what you mentioned, the Lincoln Project serves as a place for people like, um, I can't think of her name right now, and I'll think of it later, but she used to work on KTLA in Los Angeles, and it's driving me crazy that I can't think of her name. But she actually worked, she was a conservative, and she worked in right-wing radio. And now, I mean, she thinks that, you know, Ted Cruz is an asshole, and she hates Donald Trump. So she's kind of in that position of being a former Republican or a Republican who doesn't like the direction the party is going in. And so I, I think the Lincoln Party is something that people like her, Jillian Barbary is her name. Uh, I think the Lincoln Party is a place where people like that can go. People like Jillian can go and feel comfortable because it's not the party of AOC per se, but it is, it is right. such a big party that, you know, we will, there's kind of like a place for, for everybody yeah, unless you're a I, lunatic. I, absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, the Republican Party is going down that QAnon rabbit hole. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's still conservatives and Republicans that still have that integrity and want a part of it. And yeah, and they're they're uncomfortable to be a liberal, and, and that's okay because now we're in the United States of America. Everybody has the right to have different values. So, yeah, and I, and you're right. I think that's that's a great. I think that's a great outlet for you know people like that that mm-hmm. and then Trump like I did, so yeah. So and I, and I think and I I do think that Lincoln Project needed needs to sort of like you know have more discussions with you know with progressives. Yeah. And and and, and, I, and I can understand why progressives are very very cautious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the different groups. I mean I I'm involved with a lot of different um, you know different political groups and I speak with marginalized people you know, from different you know, races and gender and you know and and I can understand how they might be hesitant of talking with conservatives or Republicans because you know either way if they're a never Trump Republican or a Trump former Trump supporter they did help pave the way for mm-hmm. Trump yeah so you know I can understand why they're hesitant and you know and it, so this work is going to be a long, um, a long um, process, and I think that's one of the reasons why, me personally, that I have been so open and apologized and hmm. so transparent because I know it's like, you know, I mean, because right now with everything going on with how the way the Republicans are behaving, you know, I was saying this about Democrats a couple years ago, you know, that wasn't that long ago. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see like why people are hesitant yeah. on having discussions. So, you know, we still got a lot of work to know, even though Trump's yeah, president's we, <laughs> we definitely have a lot of work. I mean, I, I, I feel very filled with doom and gloom today. I, I see what Ted Cruz is saying. He's he's saying the Democrats are being petty for for wanting to convict Trump in the Senate after after he incited and inspired and egged on an insurrection that led to the death of three police officers, one who was murdered by the Trump terrorists and two have committed suicide. And I can't believe what I'm seeing. 
I can't, I just can't believe it. It's like before Trump came in, the Republican Party was just horrible. And, you know, I look at this like, okay, Obama got elected and we, we had, you know, everything was blue for two years. And then, you know, Democrats got lazy because they, they fell back on we, the fact that we had uh, a Democratic president. And they thought, oh, okay, well, Obama's no president, uh, Obama's president, so I don't have to vote. I don't have to pay attention. And in the first midterm, we got, you know, a whole bunch of Tea Party people got in and got through, Ted Cruz got in at that time. And that same thing happened in 2014. I honestly was, both in 2014 and in 2016, I was naive enough to believe that the Democrats were going to show up. And I did, they did show up in 2016, and they didn't understand that we were up against, you know, the Russian tactics and all of that. But at the same time, I was surprised by the, by the turnout. And, and what's so bad about 2014 is that the, not only did Democrats not show up, they didn't push and, and sell the ACA. They didn't push and sell Obama. And it was the worst turnout in 80 years. So, you know, and and so I've had people give me shit online for bringing that up. Like, stop blaming. It's like, no, we have to fight. When when people play sports, you know, you get the immediate playback. And then what happened? Here's what happened. And then after the game, the coach sits down with, with the team and says, here are the mistakes we made. Now let's not make these mistakes again. And that's what I'm, that's the whole point of me pointing it out. It's not to go bad, bad Democrats. It's like, learn from history. Yes. Learn from our mistakes. We, we get complacent and we, we think that the presidency is just enough. And so the the Republican party not only has to clean up the mess of what Trump left, but they have to, in my opinion, they have to do that grassroots organizing every single time. Half the country doesn't vote. There's this huge pool of people. And we have to convince them that voting affects their daily lives. They don't necessarily realize that. And, and so that brings me to the fact that you've decided to run for office. So why don't you tell us a little about that? Sure. Oh, that's actually one of the reasons. Um, one of the reasons why I decided to run for office because uh, Pelosi is one of the Republicans that uh, you know, doesn't want Trump held accountable. Yeah. So it's in my district. And I figured, you know what? Um, I, you know, being a veteran, you know, I, I take my oath of enlistment very, very, very seriously depending on the Constitution. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to run. Hmm. And I also want to, you know, besides upholding the Constitution, um, I wanted, I also want to be part of, you know, really thickly in my community, which is very, very red community, mm-hmm. you know, to, to break the myths of Democrats, you know, what it means to be a Democrat, what it means to be liberal, yeah. actual liberal values compared to what, uh, you know, radio or, you know, Fox News and other conservative outlets says about them. And I think, and I really want to get involved as much as I can, especially, you know, with that. And mm-hmm. I think, that the Biden team needs people, you know, working with them to help uh, fight disinformation. Because right now, I remember how I was when I was a conservative, uh, when Obama was reelected. Because that's like when I was like really 
that's when, that's when I really started getting serious and started speaking out. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of conservatives were terrified and afraid hmm. because a lot of them, I mean, some of it was racism, mm-hmm. some of it was ignorance. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different factors. So, and I and I'm seeing like people are freaking out again. Yeah. Especially with uh, President Biden. Man, it's also good to see President Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's picking a lot of people. That was part of President Obama's administration, so mm-hmm. like a lot of people are freaking out about it. Right. So you know, we need. I think that's why I want to really get involved and say, guys, look, there's something to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, fighting Democrats fight for rights of people that don't have rights, and I think you know, if we get show people that you can actually keep the rights and fight for others, mm-hmm. that will break down walls and have more discussions with each other. Hmm. And that's like, that's like one of my goals when I, you know, when I run and, you know, if I win and, um, that's what I want to bring to the table. Yeah. Well, and I certainly wish you the best of luck and I know you have a huge mountain to climb. I mean, I think in terms of one of my family members who I haven't spoken to, she's a MAGA and I haven't spoken to her, you know, since all of this happened, I talked to her at Christmas time and I will say that, you know, I mean, it's funny because sometimes I, I call her, and I'll tweet about it. Like, oh, my God, I'm talking to my MAGA uh, relative. And people say, run, run. And it's like, I'm not going to run from her because we are able, for the most part, to not talk about politics. Occasionally, she tries to get a few digs in, but I ignore her. Like, like one of the things that she did was she was telling me how she was watching Laura Ingram. And there was a story about how, you know, I guess that Laura Ingram show, they always do a thing on Christmas trees. What's better, a live tree or a fake tree? or a real tree, a fake tree. And um, I guess this one, there was this one segment where there was a raccoon in the tree and the raccoon escaped. And, you know, it's just this hilarious story of a raccoon in a tree. So, but she had to make sure that she said Laura Ingram three times, you know, knowing (laughs) that I am very liberal. And so I don't take the bait. I don't, I don't allow her to get me involved in any kind of conversation. I mean, like there was this one time, where I at first she didn't like Trump, you know she was one of the many many she was a Ted a Ted Cruz person, and then you know Trump comes along and he's being insulting and he's being an asshole and I know she didn't like him and then he became president and then she all of a sudden you know she's brainwashed and drinking that Kool Aid and says he's a great president, um, but I look at her and I feel like I don't know that you could I don't know you could get through to her no matter what you would say and the funny thing is, is that when she was a younger person. She used to laugh at the John Birch Society, which is basically early Tea Party. And she would, you know, she thought that they were idiots. And now she's become one of them and doesn't see it. And I feel like you you have this. I mean, here you were. You were this full on Trump supporter who who bought all the bullshit. And now you there was something in you. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. If you could figure out or maybe you do know what it oh. was. <laughs> One person, um, a follower of mine who was Jewish, sort of mentioned a part, possibly my, you know, my Jewish soul and the fact that Silverman, Sarah Silverman is also Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and they, they kind of choked saying that might have been the spark that sort of uh, hmm. got me to start questioning. So, but uh, I don't know, I mean... Well, I mean, I, I remember it. Like, I, I and sometimes I go back to my old tweets and reflect, and it was like this Hollywood celebrity elitist who I thought was an enemy, 
and is asking, hey, why didn't, why didn't I support Trump? Yeah. And not once did she try to convert me, not once did she try to um, get me to stop supporting Trump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she encouraged, she encouraged more than anything that we dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that just brought my wall down. And then mm-hmm. I just got really curious and wanted to learn more. And, you know, the, yeah, and I don't meant the backlash just to sort of like help a bit because, you know, you're not allowed to dialogue with the enemy. Right. Um, so that sort of, sort of helped, uh, get you out of the trance. Mm-hmm. It is a trance. I mean, it's, yeah. it really consumes you. It really mm-hmm. takes over you when you really go all in and you just get so angry. And they, they, cause they, you know, the right wing media and they play off people's fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that, that and that's the that's the red pill. Mm-hmm. You know, people's fears and it turns to anger and hate. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of this stuff is on Facebook. Um, and I mean, I was involved in so many different conservative Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. I mean, they are very good at messaging. And somehow that's what that's what we we need to do is focus, yeah. somehow fight that. Um, I mean, I mean, that's like the only way that we can prevent, you know, another Trump-like presidency. Yeah. I mean, the scary part is one of the I mean, I, I know, you know, parlor takes, right, on mm-hmm. Twitter? Mm-hmm. And how you post, like, different things, what people are saying uh, over there. And, you know, some of them, and people like uh, Milo. Milo uh, Yiannopoulos, yeah. Back in my back in eight. Uh, you know, he was, like, saying, oh, we were, uh, and this and that, and. What if they pick someone who is worse than Trump? I know. I mean, what if they what if they pick somebody who is smart, mm-hmm. who is just as hateful, like Ted old. Cruz? I mean, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. I mean, there's really not when it comes to Ted Cruz and Trump. I mean, there are some differences mm-hmm. in policy, but not the not ideology. Much. Not much. Yeah, not much. The team party is very, very similar to MAGA, mm-hmm. and that's why it was easy for me to jump over to MAGA from the Tea Party. So, yeah, I mean, someone can be very, very, very smart, constitutional, and all that, and, and do more damage. And, you know, yeah, so, yeah you're, you, we need to let people know that, hey, you can no longer be lazy right now um, when it comes to voting and um, uh, campaigning mm-hmm. and all that stuff. You, you got to get out there and inform people what's going on. And that's why we never get back to this. Yeah. Well, and, you know, what I'm thinking is that let's say Ted Cruz has become the nominee in 2016 and he won. I don't know how he would have beat Hillary Clinton, but I don't know how Trump did. So, I mean, I do, but I don't. Anyway, um, let's say Ted Cruz had become president and Donald Trump had never be, was never president. I, I think that he would have been very destructive and I think that he would have hurt the country in many ways, but the typical ways that Republicans hurt the country in the past, uh, I think now Trump has opened up this Pandora's box of governing that we've never seen before. And would would Ted Cruz have inspired an insur- insurrection if he would have lost to Biden? I doubt it. And I mean, yeah. I, and, and, and I still think he's an evil motherfucker. But I, I think that they would have played along. You know, we saw what McConnell did while Obama was president. We saw his dirty tricks. We saw his, you know, uh, the way that they manipulated the system. And they're still doing it because Democrats yeah. have total control and the Republicans are still manipulating everything. And it's, it's like before Trump was like very sly. Trump was yeah. just out blunt. 
Right. Exactly. And so, you know, I mean, now this door has been open that if, you know, if Tr- if Ted Cruz had won or whatever, you know, and of course, if Jeb Bush, I-, I would say Jeb Bush or any of the people like Marco Rubio, there would have just been a smooth transition of power. Sour grapes, right. but a smooth transition of power. Now, you know, Ted Cruz or who was it? Was it John Cornyn? I think the other day was threatening to impeach all the, you know, the Democratic presidents living. What? You know, he was talking about impeaching um, past presidents just as, right. a, like, as a form of vengeance, basically. I mean, he didn't wow. say it that way, but that's, that, was his tweet. Yeah, that was his tweet saying, you know, you better watch out, Democrats. If you, if you convict Donald Trump in the Senate, you know, basically you're opening the door for us to uh, go back and, and it's like what the hell are you going to impeach Jimmy Carter for <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then since Trump Van, Van Scorn is like the red pill like an overdose on this stuff yeah it's, it's crazy I mean yeah I mean they're they're very sly about it before and that's why they're always so manipulative mm-hmm. yeah and now it's like now it's just out in the open yeah. Now it's full on treason or full on, you know, fascism or whatever you want, author- authoritarianism. Um, it's terrifying. And it's, you know, I mean, it's at the point where I today it, I woke up and like I always do, I get my coffee, I go online and I do my thing. And sometimes I'm in a good mood, even if things are, you know, not so great. And I feel like, geez, we won. And I want to be able to celebrate this. I want to be able to feel really good that there's a woman vice president, although I still feel a little resentful that we're supposed to be this great country. And it's such a big deal that in 2020, finally, we put a woman in the vice president position when we, there's other nations that have had women leaders for a long time. And, and you know, it's like we're, we're trailing behind and we're just happy to get, you know, the vice president role. Now, and I am, I don't want to downplay that, but it's it's not enough. It's nowhere even close to enough. And, you know, and, and I look at what's happening with COVID and uh, you know, all this stuff, personal stuff that's going on with me adding with what I'm seeing online. And frankly, I just didn't want to do anything. I wanted to stay in my bed and hide <laughs> because I'm feeling so nervous. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it perfectly because it's like, I mean, the fact that Joe Biden won and Kamala Harris won, you know, it's a lot to celebrate there, but at the same time, we are seeing treason, terrorism, um, you know, insurrections, all this stuff on our soil. Yeah. And and, and the fact that they are actually defending it, mm-hmm. that's that's even worse. It is. So, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm sure you see my tweets, like, they are all over the place, you know, with emotions yeah. and I mean, so yeah, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I try to like get to a point where, okay, Toggy, or say, hey, everybody, and then when I see, you know, what's going on, I just get angry, like, ah, I'm like, yeah. ah, you know, and so yeah, I, I, I can totally relate to you. I just want to like, Pull your hair out. Yeah, I mean, I just really do. It's like there's, a, a, like I said, there are certain personal things going on in my life that I'm not going to talk about, and they're just making me feel a little anxious and nervous. I wouldn't say fully depressed, but, you know, we all have things going on. And right. and then aside from that, it's just, how are we going to do this? I, I, I know, you know, again, I spoke with my mother this morning, and one of the things that she said, she's very much a political junkie, she's very smart, and I was, you know, uh, you know, I call her up and I'm like, oh, my God. So 
I'll say this, and, and I actually want to get your opinion on this. Um, I think it was reported yesterday that the FEC, uh, th- there was something in Texas where they're, they're starting the Patriot, MAGA Patriot Party, and the money that they're earning is going to President Trump's re-election in 2024, which, frankly, I'm not so much nervous about Donald Trump in 2024. I don't think that he would be able to carry it through. It would just be somebody worse than Trump. But there's that, you know... The idea that there's this new party emerging, and and then I'll add in that, okay, current, I think the reason why McConnell and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and all these people are behaving the way they're behaving is because they're seeing that the Republican Party is fractured, and they don't want another party to emerge because that's not going to serve them. Um, but at the same time, you know, do you, like, what what do you think will happen with this new party, do you think it's going to gain traction? Because that would actually, even though it would be detrimental to the evolution of this country in many ways, because it would be this whole party with blatant, obvious, in-your-face racists and and sexists and bigots and everything, you know, anti-American, it would serve to be this uh, foe for 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 the, you know, traditional Republican Party, which is kind of they're trying to kind of embrace some of these talking points, whether it's Q talking points or, you know, Donald Trump talking points. So do, do you think that this new party is going to rise enough to cause the damage? Do you think the Republican Party are going to be because it seems that like Ted Cruz wants to play along with Trump so that the party doesn't fracture? And my mother was saying that she felt that, you know, they probably will. Um, what do, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to change much because when I was in, you know, there was always this um, infighting between team party and establishment. Yeah. And I th- and I think there, you know, I think a lot of it's just hot air talk, um, just trying to intimidate people like you know who are Republican. I mean, you see Matt Getz going off on Liz Cheney for yeah. because she did the right thing. So I, I think it's just a lot of, I think it's an, an intimidation. That's where, how I see it as. And I, I don't think Ted Cruz is doing it to keep the party. I think he's just doing it because his well, his base was uh, Trump's base. Mm-hmm. So he, he just wants to stay in power himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's doing this for his own selfish needs, not necessarily the need for the party. Right. So yeah. And so I think a lot of it is just intimidation because that's all. I mean, that's all Trump knew. Yeah. Uh, and that's all Megan knows. Yeah. So just, just some intimidation, trying to, trying to, you know, get their way. Uh, well, and you know, I mean, as we're speaking right now, uh, Joe Walsh just tweeted: most people don't realize it yet, but we're watching the end of the Republican Party. And when I see these kinds of sentiments online, I feel like, but okay. Okay, fine. But then what happens? It's not like the end of the Republican Party, Democrats win and the country is saved. It's like the end of Republican Party and then what? What does that even mean? I, I think, I mean, even I send stuff like that lately. I send, I mean, I, I actually replied to Butthead Get saying, oh, the Republican, no, he said something stupid and I said, <laughs> and the Republican Party is dead. But I, I, I think. I think a lot of it's just anger and frustration um, because, I mean, both Joe and I came from that party. 
So, you know, right. I mean, you know, there's a lot of feelings, betrayal, mm-hmm. anger. Uh, I mean, it's like right now I have so many mixed emotions. Like one, I have gratefulness that I am on the right side of history right now. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't imagine seeing myself defending all that. And two, I... I'll, you know, I'll never forgive that I was lied to by mm-hmm. the right-wing media and Republican officials for mm-hmm. many, many years. So, and and seeing how they were always really this bad, just you know, hypocrisy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think with people like me and Walsh and others like us, we're just angry and maybe even hurt, betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, that. You know, we're just, our our eyes are open about mm-hmm. uh, our world, our former our former lives. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really my mind. I mean, for Pete's sake, I mean, the Republican Party they impeached a guy for a line about a you know a, a PJ. If I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on radio. <laughs> yes, I you mean, can. Well, this is just an independent podcast. You can say anything you want. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, you know, he and they impeached him for lying about a blowjob. Yeah, um, right. Well, Al, yeah, Al exactly. Frank, Al Franken got busted just because I'm a stupid pick. Yeah. But my God, Trump, um, sedition, incitement. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that. I mean, he was impeached before. He was impeached twice because he clearly violated the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's sort of like, what the F? Yeah. I mean... You can say fuck too. <laughs> right, cool. like, like, what the fuck? I mean, I mean, what? I mean, he can he, Trump can literally shoot somebody. On I know. And he can get away with it. Yeah, and like Nikki Haley will go give the man a break. You know what the fuck is that? Oh my yeah, time god! Time to move on. Yeah, exactly. And you know the other thing, it was pointed out by somebody on Twitter. I retweeted. I don't remember who it was, but it was that you know here, Mitch McConnell says well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do anything about impeachment until the 19th and then afterward he just voted the other day that basically he's there they, they wanted to not go through with a conviction trial because he's not president anymore oh well it wasn't that convenient you fucking yeah. old ghoul that man Especially is such a dangerous ghoul i mean how many times have they gone after hillary clinton as a private citizen yeah i know I no, mean- kidding. <laughs> no kidding no <laughs> kidding Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's just disgusting, but it doesn't matter. It's like, first of all, there's no shame. You can't shame them. It, they don't feel shame. And, you know, they. It, it's so... I always go back to this because I lived there when I lived in Soviet Russia. I got that feeling that, you know, as a 12-year-old girl, I could see that the people who lived there were afraid to speak up, and I could see that, you know, that there was... Uh, basically militia men on every street corner. And when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. It was literally every street corner. And they would look at you as if you were a criminal. And I'm, I'm watching what's happening with our country. And though I don't believe we're going to fall into Soviet rule, it doesn't matter. It's, I think what, you know, it, it's very easy. Kamala Harris said on the night that I, th- I think it was the night that she accepted uh, VP and, you know, it was before it was before the inauguration, but it was basically like when they announced that, OK, this is these are our our people. These are the vice president elect. And she said that, you know, democracy is not a given. It's something that we have to fight for. And I want more Americans. And obviously, everybody who's listening to this podcast is a junkie like we are. So they already get it. 
But it's like, I want more Americans to understand that not only do we have uh, votes, you know, they could vote every, there's elections every single year. It's not just the presidential. It's not just, you know, every two years. It's every single year there are elections and that those elections have consequences. And it's just, you know, I mean, that you and I were talking during the general uh, or I would say during the Democratic primaries. And this was like your first, your first time sitting there as a Democrat dealing with all of this and you were watching what was happening with Bernie and I totally understand because you were supporting a lot of what he was throwing out there, which I did in 2016. And then I recognized after the fact when, you know, when I learned that Russians were manipulating our social media and that I had fallen for some of that manipula manipulation and I, I started to look at how Bernie accepted that without really calling it out. Um, and it, it bothered me. It did, did, you know, and I had some questions about him. At this point, I will say that I, I, I like him where he is. I like him in the Senate. Uh, I like anybody in, in the Democratic Party who is progressive and who's going to push the party to, you know, whether it's higher minimum wage, all that stuff that's good, all the stuff that we want. And I don't understand why certain people who identify as centrist Democrats get all up, you know, uppity about, uh, maybe uppity isn't the right word, but I'm just like, who get... Unconscious. Well, well, critical. You know, I mean, here's an example. This really pissed me off. When Bernie was running against Hillary... You know, he was pushing for Medicare for all. But the problem is, is Bernie pushed for Medicare for all and he never explained how he was going to get it. And that was his fault. Same thing happened with with uh, Elizabeth Warren. They both screwed up on their, you know, messaging when it came to Medicare for all. So Bernie never said, OK, here's exactly how we're going to pay for it. So that was, you know, Hillary took that as an opportunity. And this is what pissed me off to paint Medicare for all as a pie in the sky even though it's something she wanted and tried to pass, you know, decades earlier while her pres her husband was president, she said it was pie in the sky because and I get why she was pissed off at Bernie. I totally get it. But I but but the argument that it was pie in the sky, I don't think was the right argument. I think what she should have done was say, look, Bernie wants Medicare for all. He's offering absolutely no path to get there other than burning it all down and starting from scratch, which is totally not, it's unreasonable, it's not going to happen, it, it's not going to work. Here's my, here's what I think we should do, and then talk about the public option. Because what, what she did when she said that it was pie in the sky was all these Democratic voters started to echo that, which makes people think it's not possible. It's totally possible, and as we know, during this Democratic debate, the public option came up a lot, and it was favorable, and people like it. And so... You know, I will fault Hillary Clinton for taking on that stance. That doesn't mean I don't think that she's capable or would have been an effective president. And I think she probably would have gone for the public option. But that argument hurts us as a party because it pits us against each other. And so you yeah. and I were talking about that kind of, you know, because you were bringing up things about Bernie. And I was explaining to like I never want to, you know, in our private DMs, I never want to try to make you believe what I believe. I just want to point things out to you from my perspective you take from what I, you know, you do with it what you want. But, you know, my whole thing was that I was concerned that Bernie wasn't going to work. You know, like, I didn't think Bernie would work well with Congress. And I felt like he would try to do certain things and fail. And then what would wind up happening is Democratic voters, instead of blaming 
um, which like, for instance, when Ob- Barack Obama said he wanted to do whatever, you know, he wanted to put the public option in and then he didn't get to. And so Democrats blamed him. And then, right. you know, they were discouraged and didn't show up in the midterm elections and stuff like that. In this particular case, I think what would have happened with with the more aggressive, angry voters on his side, on Bernie's side, I think they would have blamed the Democratic Party. And, but either way, it would have still hurt us. It would have hurt our party as a whole. And so I didn't think Bernie was the best choice for president for that reason. Um, I wondered about, you know, some of his votes having to do with Russia or lack of votes. I didn't, you know, I wasn't fully um, convinced that he was on the up and up. And at this point in the game, I don't really have those concerns anymore. I do know that he, he, he can act as a bit of a curmudgeon sometimes. And, you know, and, and I still will maintain that I absolutely adore his policy proposals. I, I am very progressive, but it's like, you know, when you and I were talking and I was trying to relate to you why sometimes he made me nervous, it's because some of the things that were, that he will, I don't know, how can I say this? Like sometimes Bernie would make it so that, you know, like just as Hillary kind of put this divide in like, oh, that's just a stupid, crazy idea that's never going to happen. Bernie had his own version of that. And so I feel like somebody like Elizabeth Warren was the antithesis in that she never points fingers. All she does is say, we have problem A and here's a solution. And that's the best way to do it, you know, to just not point fingers and say, oh, this Democrat has a pie in the sky idea or this Democrat is a corporatist or, you know, whatever the fucking you know, bullshit is, it's like, just say, okay, yeah, we have this problem. Not enough people in this country are insured. So here's how we do it. And that's it. And then nobody hates on anybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I felt too. I mean, the way she did that, she was in a point or attack. She always had a plan. And I felt like, I felt that that kind of united our party more. Yeah. I think than if Trump, you know, than Joe Biden, no offense to Joe Biden at all whatsoever. But, you know, being that she was just trying to, she had plans, she knows how to fix the country. Yeah. And, and I, and, you know, when she did this, I, I see how Joe Biden basically reiterated your points of like, like how Bernie's plans were not going to, I mean, he, he didn't really do that either. And I think that's how it, that also helped him. I mean, he basically said that Bernie's plans was not really going to work. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I remember how some of the, some of the debates were about that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, in finding an in finding, I mean, it's really not that much different than the in finding I saw coming from the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. That may, I mean, I know the Tea Party, and it's just like the establishment thing. But it's like, you know, I mean, we have an opportunity here with people like you, with people like Steve Schmidt and, you know, the Lincoln Party. If we're able to expand our coalition and if people like AOC will have a sit down with the Lincoln Party, form this truce, leave each other alone, even if there are policy differences, which there will be, there will be policy differences. And that's fine. You know, it's like. Just like with Hillary Clinton, even though she, you know, even though her reaction to the way Bernie presented Medicare for All was not my favorite, I was fully on board 
and believed that she would do very well for this country, that she would be an amazing president. And, you know, I also like, for instance, another thing that um, happened during her run was I was trying to get I was working with somebody and we were trying to get the presidential candidates to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment. And so we got to Bernie and Bernie said that he would put it on his platform and he did. And then Hillary Clinton specifically said that she wouldn't. And when she was asked why, or no, when she was presented with the fact that Bernie did it, she says, I don't care what Bernie does. And Mm. so I remember at the time, of course I was disappointed because I felt like, okay, well, you're a, you're a woman and you're not, you're not saying anything about the ERA, but I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe there's a couple of reasons that she didn't do it. Number one, um, she, if she would have brought up the Equal Rights Amendment, that would have been one more thing for the Republicans to just latch on to and use as a fear tactic as they did so well back when it initially, you know, was, it, was, it was almost ratified. We had 35 states and then Phyllis Schlafly came along and she told a bunch of lies about it. And it, 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 you know, eventually what wound up happening is it got a, it, 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 it got a deadline attached and the deadline expired. And so um, I think that perhaps Hillary was looking at that and, and thinking, look, if I even bring this up, it's probably going to hurt it more than it's going to help it. And so, you know, like I said, at the time, I felt disappointed. But I can say perhaps her decision to leave it alone was a really good decision and better that she didn't, especially, you know, and then, and then she would have had the other thing that I was going to say is that, you know, I mean, at the, while if she were to become president, it would have really been hard to convince the last three States needed, which we did get under Trump to ratify because the argument would have been like, we have, we have a woman as a president. We don't need it, which of course it doesn't have anything to do with becoming president. It's about discrimination on the basis of sex, period. So, and of course women experience that more than anybody else. So, you know, even though it falls under both men and women, it's that it would be, it would not be constitutional to discriminate based on sex. Men get the benefit of it too. And I always would try to argue with anybody who is conservative that, uh, you know, there are a lot of men who feel that the system isn't fair to divorced fathers seeking um, you, that, that they want to, what's the word? What's the word? I can't think of the word. Um, but when they're looking for, uh, when they have kids and they're trying to figure out who gets the kids and all that. And custody. All, custody. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's actually what I'm working on right now. Oh, yes. Right. Life. That's right. Yeah. So, so and, and as you would know, the system um, automatically favors women which isn't necessarily fair because it should be based on the situation, on the people. And, uh, you know, and so I would always try to convince Republican men that, you know, hey, look, you know, this would benefit you when it comes to custody. So uh, or it could benefit you because it would mean that the the courts wouldn't be allowed to just blindly say, OK, well, the woman is the better parent because that's not always the case. Um, (laughs) and I'm sorry you're going through what you're going through. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's really tough, but I, I, I just hope that our party, you know, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for people. I am grateful for the Lincoln project right now, even though I side eye them, even though I don't fully trust them. Um, I hope we can work it out. Definitely. And I I, I think it's okay to like, you know, not always put like full loyalty on something. I mean, Might as well have Trump if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's okay to be like cautious and, you know, and still support. And I think, you know, maybe 
possibly may have Hillary like the, the, the I mean I, I I guess like how you explain where she was coming from, but maybe if she like then what you what you were thinking that you know there might be less of a divide between yeah centrists and progressives because you know yeah people will react you know based on human nature and instinct and not mm-hmm. analyze the situation like you did and so you know wow. and you know people are human but you know. Uh, I guess everything worked out the way it did. Um, yeah. Um, you definitely still got a lot of work. We do. Yeah. And you know what? I want to ask you. You live in Florida. So Correct. I wanted to ask you what's going on. Like, um, I live in a blue state. I live in Maryland. So, be, you know, everybody wears masks here. I have never once seen a person. I mean, I don't go out very much. So I don't, I don't have too much experience out there. I mean, I go to my grocery store twice a week and then, you know, occasionally I, I go to maybe uh, CVS or something, but I really, really try to limit where I go. So, right. but when I do go to my grocery store, I see people wearing masks. What is it like in Florida? Uh, we have our Karens and Chads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember I had to go to the bank um, one time and I mean, I always, I mean, I, I, I always wear a mask every time I go out and I see one person like touching the machine and touching his nose, uh, touch the machine again, not wearing a mask. So I, when I sat down with the, um, uh, you know, with a bank person, I actually told him like, Hey, one person without a mask, uh, and all that. So like, Oh, thank you. And then, you know, they send somebody to clean it up. But yeah, you go to the stores. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, Ron DeSantis has done a very bad job. Yeah. On, uh, I mean, he's trying to lift restrictions, so wearing a mask is not really required here. Yeah. So you see, you see it often that people are just don't take it seriously, and you wonder, you know, they wonder why numbers are rising. But yeah, right. But yeah, even though there's so many people that are not wearing masks, they had no problem getting the vaccines before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. Well, just <laughs> FYI. Um, I just saw a story posted on Twitter that taking pain relievers prior to getting the COVID vaccine to stop a sore arm may reduce the antibody production. So mm. I don't I mean, it says may. This is an ABC News article. So just for whatever it's worth, I guess what I'll do is I won't be taking any pain relievers. <laughs> um, I should let my parents know about that because they've been trying to get the vaccine. Yeah, mine too. For the past three days. Yeah, how old are your parents? Uh, like sixty nine and, and seventy three. Yeah, my mom is seventy. She'll be seventy four in March. My dad will be seventy five in July. And I know I haven't talked to my dad in the last couple of days, but I know my mom has had a lot of problems because she's eligible now. But you know, there's just nowhere for her to do it. And what really sucks is that she's got a bad hip. So she, you know, she figured, oh well, maybe I'll check out uh, places that are about an hour away in Baltimore or whatever. And there wasn't even anything available there. And, and for her to drive to Baltimore with a bad hip is painful. And she was like, I really uh-huh. don't want to do it, but I'll do it if I have to. And she couldn't even do it. So I don't know. I know that our governor is, t- uh, he, he did something. I don't even know. I didn't, I didn't keep track, but I get an alert on my phone and it looks like, you know, they're going to try to expand the places that you can get it. And I think part of it is just because we don't have enough vaccines. Thank you, Donald Trump. But, um, <laughs> We'll just, I guess we just have to ride this out and it's just such a freaking drag, but I do want to say thank you for coming on the show again. And I, I really appreciate your, you know, you're very different than so many of 
I, I don't know too many ex magas, but I mean, obviously, I've had Joe uh, Walsh on my show, and he is not a Democrat, but he's definitely seen the light. And I appreciate everybody who has acknowledged that, you know, maybe they had a part to play in Trump getting elected, but they see and they understand what the problem was and working to rectify it. And that means a lot because as scared as I am and as worried as I am, I have hope because of people like you and people like Joe Walsh, which, you know, I mean, I'm going to disagree with him a lot. You know, I asked him to be on my show and I, I kind of wish I could take this back because I was saying like, maybe he could be on the show that we could debate policy, but I feel like I don't think there's a point in that because I'm never going to make him come over to my side. You know, he's a Catholic and I don't think he's ever going to be on the side of choice. And, you know, I mean, I don't expect him to fully embrace abortion, but at the same time, I don't know that he's ready to just say, yeah, I think it's up to the the person who's pregnant and their doctor. And so it's like, I don't really want to fight with him. I just, I don't want to argue with him. I don't even want to debate with him. I just... I want to find our common causes and kind of common stick reality. with, yeah, so we can stick with that because, you know, the the bottom line is, is we're a country of very diverse people with diverse opinions. And while I may never agree 100% with anybody else, it doesn't really matter as long as we can come together and do the right thing. And I do think, you know, I mean, you did that. Joe Walsh did that. Even, you know, Rick Wilson, who's not my favorite person in the world, he did that. And so it's like, I'll take it. <laughs> so right. so I do I, I thank you for coming on the show is there anything you'd like to add um, no um, I, I appreciate you having me on and and yeah I think you know, I hope that we eventually can get some place where we can just discuss ideas and debate policy and you know hopefully not elect someone like Trump and you know we can move our country forward yes alright well before we go why don't you tell everybody where they can find you Sure, you can find me on Twitter at David M. Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N, and I write for Themcast. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put both of those links in the description of the show, and don't forget you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. I do have in my bio a link tree. And the link tree offers you everything I do, my writing, my books on Amazon. I wrote a book about teen abortion, Peyton's Choice. I've written The Virgin Diaries. I've written four books total. So go ahead and check those out. And if you like them, please give them a review. And thank you once again, David, for being on the show. I love talking to you. Likewise. Thank you for having me on. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
Head to Hero.co to shop today.